passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. John Pollock here alongside waiting. Happy Monday, everybody. It is the post-Super Bowl edition of Rewind to Raw. How are you, Way? What a riveting ending to that game. Did you watch it? No. Yeah, me neither. Um, I didn't see... Did I even see a minute? I don't think I even checked in at one point. Not Not to the actual game. I don't think I even tuned in to the... I think I tuned in right before kickoff, and that was it. I didn't see a, a second of it. So I watched the I watched I'm, the halftime show today on YouTube. That's what I watched with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Good. It was it was cool. It was like fifteen minutes. It's very impressive. I'm always like kind of uh, impressed by just uh, the sheer spectacle of all of it, and I was actually kind of uh, like watching the dance routine and everything. So I just watched that series cheer on Netflix, the, the cheerleading documentary. So yeah, watching this, this is like that times like a thousand. So yeah, it's very impressive. impressive. Very, very physically demanding. I'm always impressed that the Super Bowl is able to make like millions of people listen to music that they would otherwise never listen to the rest of the year. I, I, I wouldn't like turn the radio off if Jennifer Lopez or Shakira came on. I'm I'm fine with them. I guess you're the exception. Or you and millions perhaps. Yeah. I mean Shakira did that that wonderful uh Canadian uh, tribute to uh one of our most iconic bands and their propensity for always telling the truth. So what was that? Hips don't lie. Oh. Jeez, how are wow. you? How are you beyond Tough football? One. Yeah, I tried. Um, I, I mean, the, the, that, that was more of a riddle. I feel um, that one was thrown out there because you know, one percent of the people listening would be like, "Oh, I get it, I get it." Not funny, but I got it. Got that takes some risks every now. It's like, uh, you know, just uh, it, it's like a fourth down, and you're you're at like. Your own thirty yard line. You're just gonna punt it. It's like you take a chance. You got to throw a skill testing question out there from time to time, and I guess I I, I failed miserably. No, you never fail. Way you you always uh, succeed. Um, how was how was your weekend overall? Good. Yeah, good. I. Uh, You're preparing I'm, for a major move, correct? Can we talk about this? 
Yeah, I'm I'm about to move. So like this um, weekend, correct? This weekend, correct? Yeah. So wow. Um, I'll be. I'm pretty much like I started already. So I'm packing today. I, I did a minor move today, but the big one will be on Saturday. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, caught a couple movies last night. I watched uh, a couple um, of movies. Yeah, I saw Uncut Gems as we talked about on our um, uh, what is it? Uh, Patreon bonus show last last night. Uh-huh. Um, and then I also saw a screening of 2001: A Space Odyssey for the first time. I saw it in a theater at the Ontario Place Cinesphere. I assume you saw that before we did our show. Yes. Yes. Okay. You didn't. You didn't go out at like two in the morning to go watch this. Um, no. I've watched. I watched the first hour of Uncut Gems. Okay. I haven't finished it yet. Already, uh, be spoiler free, everybody. I think it's like hands down Adam Sandler's best performance to date. And honestly, that sounds like well, duh. He's been in some good stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen like all of his kind of like more serious films. I've seen Punch Drunk Love. I haven't seen like um, some of the other ones that came out recently. I haven't even seen Spanglish actually. So can't you really. The yeah, first sorry. one I ever saw with him was uh, th- that I I saw like it switching for him was this movie Click. That's it's a very bizarre premise, but you watch that movie and it is like heart wrenching at times. And I remember uh, watching this film and just being like, "Wow, this is." Uh, I was expecting to go in and just see the latest silly Adam Sandler movie, and what I came away with was like. This guy, there, there's something to this guy in terms of his acting chops, and I think that Uncut Gems is kind of the the culmination of this. With a shout out to Kevin Garnett, who's also very good in this. As I'm an hour into this thing, so yeah. I, I can't can't give an overall assessment of the film, but uh, so far, uh, very impressive. So click, all right. Click. I mean, don't don't watch Uncut Gems and then go watch Click and be like you're going to be a little let down. But I would say that to me was the the first sign of this guy being able to get away from the the comedic roles that I think still people of our generation might uh, unfairly just pigeonhole him in. I'm going to have to check Click Out. An architect discovers a universal remote that permits him to fast forward and rewind to certain portions of his life. Okay, it sounds stupid. It sounds especially stupid when you're going to see this on a date in 2006. And I thought I was just seeing like the latest stupid big daddy iteration so give it a fair shake go and try and well i see i I see on google search right now when i type in click one of the first things that pops up is click 2006 farting on the boss scene (laughs) so i'm maybe i'll at least start with that okay watch it and get back to me and see if my recommendation holds up it's been probably when did that movie come out do you have it 2006 it was 2006, so it was 14 years ago because I saw that in the movie theaters. So maybe this was me at a more impressionable age. How old would I have been there? Like 21? So um, anyway. Adam Sandler, you recommend Uncut Gems for those that have not seen it? I do, I do. Um, and if you don't know really what, what, what to expect going into it, just just go into it. And um, uh, yeah, um, I certainly wasn't prepared for how kind of um, – uh, I don't know, suffocating it was, like, in a good way. L- literally, like, he's in the trunk, and I thought he was going to suffocate. Uh, sure, like, it, it was a scene like that. I mean, it, to me, it was almost like, um, mm, it's, 
I think uh, it, it's almost like an unpleasant feeling, but like, um, <laughs> that's, that's so weird. My wife had the exact same response. Well, yeah, like, I think that's really I mean, uncomfortable. I, think, I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, I've, I've just thought like, this is a really good movie. Well, so I think far. the film is designed for you, for you to feel uncomfortable. So, I mean, if you're willing to kind of take that step to let, you know, a, a piece of, uh, visual art give you that sort of very unique feeling when watching it, I, I think you would enjoy the experience. Well, I'm looking forward to finishing it. So that's um, one night when there's no wrestling on. I'm going to try and get back to it. So maybe in about a, a month or so, we can we can talk about this. Yeah, okay. Sure. When there's a quiet night. Uh, but there's never a quiet night here at the post office, everybody, because we're kicking off the, the week with our big discussion of uh, football and uncut gems. And then later this week, we've got Rewind Away, number 54, dropping on Tuesday night. Way and I are going to be reviewing the WWE's return to Australia in 2002 after, how long did we figure this was, 16 years away from mm-hmm. the country? They return with Global Warning, headlined by The Rock, Triple H, and Brock Lesnar. Um, really, they're just uh, playing uh, kind of second fiddle to the real main events, which are a kiss-my-ass match between Rikishi and Rico and a 2002 classic the brawn panties match between Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson with big Valboski as our ring announcer. Do we know uh, which of the series, which in the series, this brawn panties match between Tori and Stacy it was, I mean, this was, I think this a, was like they're, they're the funk Briscoe of brawn panties programs in the early two thousands. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I think they're all classics. So this one I actually haven't seen yet. So I look forward to it. So uh, we also do have one slot open for prospective espresso subscribers out there. So if you uh, if you want to join in on on the fun, there is a spot open, one spot. So be be polite as you race for it. Wednesday night we've got our regular shows, Rewind to Dynamite, and Up Next coming your way. Thursday it's the Cafe Hangout. It is going to be the uh, the post mortem after the WWE's big earnings report covering the fourth quarter of last year and their year-end report as well. And then the investors call where they are going to say that the lines are now open. Please press star uh, after uh, star one for questions. And I think there's going to be a rampage of questions coming their way. The stock has plummeted and this call on Thursday, it's going to be, man, everyone's going to be paying attention to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. If we, um, yeah, we'll certainly uh, look forward to talking about it. But uh, if we get a recording of it, I guess we'll try to. Even... Oh, we can we can get a recording of it. I can definitely roll on it. Yeah, yeah. We'll just throw it up on the uh, on, on one of the feeds, either the Patreon feed or this feed, just so people can readily see it. But I believe it's on the on the website as well on a www.com's um, corporate website. And we'll be joined by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics on Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, live for all patrons. Uh, we'll be taking your phone calls, chatting with Brandon about all the uh, the subjects coming out of that call and the report on Thursday, and then going through Wednesday night ratings, calls, all of that great stuff. Friday night, Rewind to SmackDown is going to be a solo effort from Wei Ting, who is being so gracious to give me the night off. So this is where I'm going to owe you one way. But I'm looking forward to uh, rewind to SmackDown with the one and only Wei Ting. I'll be taking a brief pause from packing to to. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, I didn't it's even all think good. Of that. Totally fine. I, I mean, I'm packing my my computer very last, so I can do this uh, podcast with my microphone, uh, probably in in a very 
empty echoey room. So I look forward to that. Also dropping Friday will be the British Wrestling Experience. Martin Benno and James Z has have tons of stuff to go through. They're going to be chatting the most recent uh, progress card. They're going to be chatting about uh, Worlds Collide, Marty Skrull's role in Ring of Honor since resigning, and going through just uh, tons of tons of uh, topics. So look forward to that on Friday. Saturday night, it's the UFC 247 post show. Phil will be with me as we chat. This card in Houston, Texas, headlined by John Jones and Dominic Reyes, as well as uh, Caitlin Chukagian challenging Valentina Shevchenko. So that's happening Saturday night. Sunday morning, Thunderstruck drops with WH Park and Nate Milton as they will be reviewing Jushin Thunder Liger Brian Pillman from the very first episode of WCW Monday Nitro from the Mall of America. Wow, excellent. Cool. There's going to be a lot of Nate on the network this weekend, or this week, in the coming weeks, I mean. Um Maybe you should announce it now, but yeah, we got we got we signed Nate Milton to come back on for our post wrestling MCU reviews because our very next movie is Black Panther. So if you sign up right now for our Patreon, you get all the bonus shows. You get Rewind Away, last night's uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, review, this weekend's New Japan Pro Wrestling bonus review, and then our MCU reviews, which continue next week. Yes, yes, and that uh, concludes our shows this week with a Sunday night post show after a New Beginning in Osaka. So. Uh, Three bonus shows for patrons coming up uh, this week, plus the live hangout. So a lot of great stuff. If you are new to the Patreon joining, you also get access to the entire library and lots of great stuff. The whole schedule can be found up at postwrestling.com, and we can move over to some of the news items from today. And sometimes it's the blockbuster news that occur right after Way and I record. Such was the case on Sunday night when we finished our new beginning post show, and there... Joey Janela drops that Minoru Suzuki will be taking on Orange Cassidy at Spring Break 4 on April the 3rd. So with all due respect to uh, some of the other announcements so far, this might take the cake for WrestleMania week. I I don't know if there's going to be a bigger match that weekend. Um, It's a match that I don't know if I ever thought I wanted to see, but once I saw that graphic... It was like it was one of those like drop everything I'm doing moments. Okay, let's. I'm I'm set. I'm set. Suzuki Cassidy, bring it on. This is gonna be fantastic. I'm I'm really looking forward to being at this show for this reaction. Like this is the perfect match for this show for this crowd, and I think Minoru Suzuki is gonna have the time of his life doing this match. Oh, for and sure. I think he's gonna be hard for him to just stay. As Minoru Suzuki in this match, because I think this guy's just going to have a blast doing this. What I really want to know is how these two are going to put that match together. That's what I find really fascinating. And I think we know that, like, Minoru Suzuki really does have, like, a comedic side to him that, you know, doesn't necessarily come out in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, like, if you've seen, like, um, an empty arena match he did with with DDT, um, you know, I guess uh, (laughs) – The guy is like really funny. If you follow his Instagram, I think you know that he has a sense of humor. So I really look forward to seeing what sort of creativity these two will create. And the crowd will be amazing at that show. Man's got the most like outstanding collection of socks I've ever seen. Like the man is like a real like fashionista. As you can see, just uh, when we went to his store over there in Japan, like this is some higher end quality clothing that the man is uh, responsible for. Did you buy anything? I actually, I, I no. went, I went to the store before. We didn't go together, but you didn't buy anything. Okay. No, I just took a look at everything. 
Was he there? I think, was he working? Uh, no, he was not. I think I think Martin might have uh, bought some stuff, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. The WWE stock um, it's uh, it's not leveling off. So after uh, a tumultuous last couple of days, coming off of the news Thursday afternoon slash evening with George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, the stock opened up on Monday at forty eight dollars and ninety six cents. It dropped another. down to $46.08. There seems to be a lot of panic coming out of this. Not so much panic in the sense that this this company is doomed, but just the the uncertainty of all of this. This was a very left-field decision. There is, you know, they are seeking a permanent replacement for two instrumental figures in the the rise of this company that has seen, you know, so many of their their big deals that were completed that Barrios and Wilson they were heavily attached to, and I think that you're you're getting a lot of this. Uh, I would say panic. I would say when you you've seen the stock drop to this extent, that is a that is a panic sell by a lot of investors. Yeah, um, you know, I guess it remains to be seen how how much of this is just sort of a expected. Um, sort of like stock fluctuation coming off of a big sudden change like this and how much uh, of, of this kind of level is going to be sustaining for the WWE stock. Um, I think much of it will determine uh, will be determined after Thursday, perhaps seeing what the results are, what these numbers are, seeing how the WWE might do, you know, some damage control. Um, but I mean, I don't know, sort of the nature of of the stock market. It's a big drop, and it's probably lower than it should be at this point. That I think it will it will rebound to a degree. Um, it remains to be seen if they're going to have um, a significant increase in this stock. I, I would say that as they go into Thursday, you know, there, there's a number of things pending. Of course, the big ones are the television deal that is yet to be completed yet in India in. The Middle East and North Africa. I think when those, if they can spread a lot of optimism about how those talks are progressing and hopefully building up some anticipation for those deals, as well in this first quarter this year, they're getting a Saudi Arabia show. Which, I mean, uh, your your own personal feelings on those shows aside, they're enormous uh, revenue makers for the company, and you're getting it earlier this year. Last year it was in the second quarter, so this year you're getting. That show coming up in a few weeks, that's followed by the WrestleMania quarter. Um, there is stuff that they can really present as a um, kind of uh, reducing that kind of panic on on Thursday. And at the end of the day, having these television deals that, you know, as much as you can look at certain sectors of their business being down, ultimately, like this is a pretty foolproof company at this point because of these television deals. This is not something where the uh, the health of this company is in um, – great question or anything like that so uh may, maybe it's being kind of uh overly uh panicking with with this whole thing but i i think having this thing certainly could have been handled a lot better in terms of if you're going to go in such a different direction um having those people ready to replace those roles and not cause such a a panic throughout wall street so it's, yeah. a, it's a very interesting way of how they handle all of this this week with with the questions that they're going to be asked about yeah, we don't really know the reasons why uh, Barrios and Wilson were so suddenly uh, ejected. I would imagine that this wasn't their first choice to have this, uh, you know, um, uh, I guess to have this play out the way that it has. Uh, but, you know, I'm also interested to hear during this conference or, or just the presentation about uh, any further updates on the network, 
Um, they had talked about the tiering system in the past. Mm-hmm. No real news coming out of that since the last call. Uh, also, what their new policies might be regarding live events, cutting back on live events, um, future plans on live events. We haven't really heard any public statement regarding that so far from the WWE. So this will be an opportunity to get some get some insight on that. Yeah, and how many of those topics get get addressed? I I, I hope that that stuff is addressed. It's not just all centered around uh, the Barrios and Michelle Wilson news. So yeah, th- there, there's lots to to take from or whatever comes up in that call on Thursday. Ring of Honor has announced uh, a couple of matches coming up. Uh, first of all, for their 18th anniversary show, it's going to be Dragon Lee and Bandito for the television title. So that sounds tremendous on paper. And then the next night for their past versus present show, uh, it is confirmed it will be Jay Lethal versus former ROH champion Xavier, who cut a promo and they have uh, posted the promo as well. Uh, Jonathan Gresham versus Doug Williams has been added to that show. So I would say... Both nights, they've got some intriguing things for both nights. Dragon Lee and Bandito, that should be phenomenal. That will probably be the match of that pay-per-view. It's a solid-looking lineup, and um, I feel like that's a lot more than I could say for like prior ROH lineups, which either in the past just have felt like they were off-mark with like maybe a lot more sort of a sports entertainment or, or figures that I just didn't really care to see wrestle. Um but, you know, this is like a card that feels fresh, especially, you know, the combination of, of past and new. Um, looking forward to see, like, Gresham versus Doug Williams. Is uh, is Jonathan Walters? John Walters. Yeah, is he a part John of that John Walters, uh, he's been added to the past versus present show, yeah. But not a part of that match. Of which match? The Gresham-Williams match. No, no, it's that. That's just a singles match, and Walters is—he's just been announced for the card, not not a match yet. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So, um, you know, like the the combination of I think all these names has certainly, in a way, in a strange way, like bringing names from the past has freshened up their, I guess, current roster at least for this show. So, uh, if it's successful, I could see a lot of these names sticking around. Yeah, there's um, you know, there's a there's a bit of buzz right now for Ring of Honor and I think pretty much looking at that weekend that that may be one where people are going to you know check out Ring of Honor see what's going on with them uh come mid-March which uh that past versus present show way eh? I believe it's on your birthday so what what a way for you to celebrate okay yeah uh John Jones was on uh Ariel Hawani's show today this is ahead of the uh the UFC 247 card on Saturday and you know it said what you would expect going into this fight with Dominic Reyes. It's not the the biggest name in the world that he's ever fought, but it is uh, an undefeated fighter who it's uh, John Jones. Certainly his fights last year, uh, especially the Tiago Santos fight in July. Um, you know, Tiago Santos had to deal with a significant injury early on in that fight. And it was very close that Jones won that decision. So there is, I guess you go in always with certain questions, but you know, John Jones should rightfully so be, favored uh, in this fight, but he certainly seemed pretty adamant about the idea of moving to heavyweight and going so far as to say he believes he beats Stipe Miocic if they were to fight. And of course, Miocic is the current heavyweight champion. And when you do kind of like figuring all this matchmaking out in your head, like supposing Jones gets by Reyes and then he's eyeing heavyweight at this point, you know, Daniel Cormier is pretty much waiting to fight Miocic as Miocic had to have eye surgery for a torn retina. He just wants to have the final fight with Miocic and then retire. And he's been waiting and waiting. 
and John Jones, like Ariel immediately brings it up. It's like, so you could kind of like leapfrog Cormier and like screw up all of his plans. And Jones just kind of like is, uh, kind of didn't give much of a reaction to that, but you know, certainly John Jones at this point, like he, once he, if he beats Dominic Reyes, there aren't a whole lot of light heavyweight fights. There are names you can throw at him, but heavyweight to me is where the big fights are for John Jones. And I think that after Saturday with a win, that's really where he should be directing his attention. I think now is the time for him to be moving up to heavyweight because there's uh, countless fights for him there at that new division. Yeah, sounds like it. And the final thing, did you get to see the Road to Huntsville video from AEW tonight? Did not. So there is, um, I think you'd be very happy with this one. So they started off, um, they recapped the the Cody Dustin match from Double or Nothing because PWI uh, gave them a pair of plaques for their match of the year. So they did a little feature on that. Then we got the Rio sit down feature and the utilization of subtitles. And she just went through all the different contenders in the women's division. She came across just so likable in this interview and um, just petrified about anyone coming after her hair as well. So it was a nice little feature on Riho, who I know that's been uh, a source of frustration for some that there hasn't been a whole lot of um, pieces like this on Riho. And granted, this is a, you know, an online video, but it was uh, something in, in that direction. But the best thing on this show Arn Anderson is just interviewed about being Cody's coach. And dude, it was just Arn Anderson, a masterclass on just sitting there explaining his role as the coach. Cody is too busy to be finding out who's hurt, who's dealing with problems ahead of his match. His job is to just pretty much parade around backstage, pick up on gossip do scouting reports for all of Cody's opponents and then relay that information to his star, Cody. And Arn Anderson, just again, I'll say this for like the thousandth time. I don't understand how this guy had a behind the scenes role for almost 20 years in WWE and was not in front of a camera. This guy's one of the best promos in the industry. Any indication about like heel baby face? His, his delivery, it certainly is tailor-made for him to take this coaching role into a heel direction. I think that is where you have to go with this, and I think Arn will be fantastic in that role. Whether it's aligning with... I really don't think he he needs to be paired with an MJF. I, I'd hope it would be with someone that uh, th- that could really utilize Arn, um, but I, I think everyone assumes that's where it's going. I don't, I don't think long-term Cody needs this, but it is... Whenever they decide to pull the trigger, that's another kind of detour program that can keep Cody busy while he's out of the world title mix. And Arn pairing up with someone, that that would make a lot of sense to me. And for all I know, maybe it could be MJF that they have Arn align himself with, potentially. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I can only speak on what I've seen him do on Dynamite. And really, I think coming off of the him getting himself ejected last week and you know, almost mm-hmm. doing more more harm to Cody than helping. It seems to me like maybe a turn might be in the works, but who knows? Maybe that's, maybe I'm off. Oh, and the last thing here, did you see the Super Bowl numbers? Did you see how many people watched this on Sunday? Yes, I did. Yeah. 99.9 million viewers on, on linear television. And then when you throw in um, streaming and Fox Deportes, it brings it up to 
102 million people that watched the game. And the interesting stat I was looking at is that uh, it was a record for people streaming the game with 3.4 million people. So it, that's up 800,000 from last year who streamed this. So, I mean, still, it's a fraction of the people that are watching this on TV. But just interesting to watch that number uh, continue to increase, even though, I mean, it's it's nowhere in the uh, the realm of people watching it on traditional television. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. They have uh, about 95 million to go, but, you know, increasing at a at a healthy rate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like super, the Super Bowl is like one of those kind of um, still like it's a huge party thing. And um, at this point, it's available on free TV still. And it, I, I don't necessarily it's not like a pay-per-view or like a WWE, I don't know, uh, network type of special where you kind of have to rely on streaming um so it's it doesn't really surprise me like the super bowl is like the biggest thing on tv not not to compare it to the super bowl and and those figures but if you were to put wrestlemania on fox what what do you think would be the ceiling for the the biggest wwe event of the year on network television do you think it could do um let's say 8 million viewers. Do you think it could hit 8 million? SmackDown does two? Two and a half. Um, depending on the card, like if they had like a big celebrity made event, and I feel like if it was going to be on Fox, they would do their best to try to like have that big crossover TV main event. I think it would do better than that. What about this year's show with what is the projected lineup? Oh, uh, eight. I'm not sure. What's the equivalent? What's the biggest comparable that it's, you have? It's so hard to to look at um, because like what, you know something of that magnitude. I mean, they've never really tested that putting uh, a WrestleMania on free television. I mean, you have to go back a long way to you know putting the Royal Rumble on the USA Network, for instance. But that was like a totally different world that we're uh, we're talking about. I mean, I don't expect it to happen. Fox would have to make it so lucrative for WWE to take that off of the network and to me if if i was taking it off the network it would be to put it on pay-per-view not to put it on fox unless fox made you just a stupid offer to um to to pay for the rights to that show but it's just an interesting like guessing game of what what could wrestlemania attract in a you know four-hour slot on fox on a sunday night in april yeah essentially you'd be asking how many people would be interested enough to watch this thing if it was available for free Maybe if if you had, you know, be going back years because I doubt he's going to wrestle again at this point. But having a match like like The Rock and Cena that you would think would have your biggest reach to a non-wrestling viewer that would tune in for that. I I guess so. Sure. Anyway. All right. uh, Let's get into Raw going down Monday night from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I don't know if you caught it during the show. They they snuck it in at one point that there was a snowstorm in utah did, did you did you catch this i think you mean every single commercial break that they came back from they were not going to make you forget that look at all these people that mm-hmm. came through a, in a snowstorm to to be here and it sounded like it was a, a hell of a day to be in uh, salt lake city and the uh, the surrounding areas that they got all the snow there were like i think something over uh, 200 car accidents that they were looking into um school closures they were advising people to stay home if you could. 
So, I mean, it sounds like it was um, quite the treacherous day to be navigating the city. You know, I do wonder if perhaps like during the day they knew that, of course, this was going to, you know, be a a tough show for audiences to get to. Perhaps they were planning all of these bits in the event that nobody showed up. And, you know, um, in fact, people did. And I would say like this didn't really look any different from a typical Raw by the end of it when you're starting to watch the show. I wouldn't even have known that there was going to be a snowstorm unless they reminded us. But I like the fact that they did remind you. It, 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 it's almost like, you know, telling you that every single Raw is different and that um, people who showed up seem to really want to be there. If this was the Attitude Era, they would have sent like Road Dog and Al Snow out to <laughs> wrestle in the snow. Yes. Go into a frozen river. Do well, they do insane. have the 24-7 title. I mean, they could have done it. Well, you, you can't you can't disgrace that that championship. I mean, you got to you got to handle Mojo Raleigh with care as they're trying to reestablish that division. Big night for that belt today. Yep. Uh, on main event, they had uh, Gallows and Anderson over Hawkins and Ryder, and uh, Cedric Alexander. I don't know if you're familiar with him uh, defeating Shelton Benjamin. The show began with a recap of uh, last week's closing angle with Randy Orton and Edge, and Orton came out. And the announcers explained that Edge is at home recovering and awaiting results from a litany of tests. And Orton, this was just a master class of watching a guy just, just milk this crowd. And every time he goes to talk, he is serenaded with boos. And he is stalling. And he continues to get booed. They chant for Edge. And he would just say a word, stop. The crowd was upset with him. And then finally, he just said, I can't do this. And he leaves. And God, you watch this. If this crowd like wasn't on board with this, this could have just bombed. And this this worked out, I thought, really great. I thought Orton was fantastic here. This crowd was, they hated this dude. This, and this was like five minutes of this in the ring. I felt like it was more than that. It, it Maybe. Maybe I'm being conservative. It, it, um, it, it felt lengthy. I thought this was amazing. You know, obviously, I think at least a partial intent of a segment like this is to stall. But like, I think in exercise, it ended up being like incredibly captivating. You know, imagine seeing this on paper. Randy Orton has to go outside to the arena and the script would probably be what? Like three words, four words. And it was supposed to last 10 minutes, you know, and somehow I think that challenge to me is way more compelling to watch than your typical 10 minute scripted promo. Um, to me, it was like seeing Orton perform in a silent film. Like the guy is just so good at playing with these crowd reactions. It's like he's able to like control the volume knob of the audience using his face, just like by looking a certain way, moving his body a certain way. He's able to just like the smallest movements is able to like play with this crowd's responses like it's clay. So I I think he's operating at least in a in a segment like this at a level that very few performers are capable of in pro wrestling today. So I highly recommend watching this. It like these two weeks, it's really drawn a picture of when this guy is engaged and when he's not. And man, he has like, you can see I'm in a major program for mania Mm -hmm. and he's all in on this program. And you're getting the the back-to-back weeks, like two of the better performances from Randy Orton in a long time. You can tell this is the type of role that, like, he loves to play the most. And he, I mean, you could, you could see it because he's so good at it. Um, it's a serious storyline. It's not like, 
He's not going to be burning Edge's house down yeah. somewhere. Yeah, it's not bullshit. It's like it's something serious and maniacal, which again he's great at. Lana and Liv Morgan, uh, the rematch that no one asked for, but we were getting anyway. Uh, Lana got shoved down and complained about her wrist, but it was just a ploy and hit her uh, her tiger mask uh, head kick to Liv Morgan playing the role of a uh, Yuya Yuimura. There was a chant of USA, which was comical. And then Morgan hit her flatliner off the middle rope and pinned Lana again in a minute 20. Uh, what was interesting on this show was that the Lana Bobby Lashley um, story almost felt like it was dropped tonight. There was no mention of Lana in the main event. She was not out with Lashley. It was. They mentioned really, her uh, when Lashley was interviewed, but that was really it. Rusev is nowhere to be seen. Um, yeah, he's re- he's recovering from that parking lot brawl they had that took them out of uh, the Royal Rumble. Was that? Oh, is did that happen? Remember, that was the explanation they gave for them being out of the Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. Whatever. But it seems like at least temporarily they dropped the whole Rusev, Lana Lashley thing. And as Liv is celebrating her victory. Ruby Riot makes her return. She's been out since May, having double shoulder surgery. And Liv is so excited that Ruby is here. And then Ruby attacks her. And she takes her out. Lana is watching on. She clotheslines Liv in the back of the neck. And then Lana hits Liv with the X Factor. Uh, Ruby leaves. And uh, we've got Ruby Riot back. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll say, like, I think coming off the Edge Orton angle, this felt, in comparison, very predictable and much more of a cliche pro wrestling angle. Um, I it's, it's unfortunate because I think the timing is just, it just highlights perhaps how, I don't know, how beginners this was versus, I think, how, how much of a masterclass that, that other angle was. Um, nonetheless, I think it's a feud that makes sense to do if you have Ruby Riot that's ready. Uh, Liv Morgan and somebody clearly that they're trying to push right now. Why not do this? But it seems like Lana is still going to be a part of this. So I don't know if they do a tag team thing. I don't know if they bring Sarah Logan back into it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the turn was very well executed. But I mean, listen, well, I don't know. We'll see how they follow up. Uh, we had shots of the snowstorm and then Mojo Raleigh and Riddick Moss are in the ring. And they explain that this match coming up is not... For the 24-7 title. That's because he's taking on Drew McIntyre. Who is so way above this title. Drew comes out. And he thanks the city for fighting through this blizzard to be here. He warns Mojo. When I put this microphone down. I'm going to Claymore your head off. He called his shot. But before that. He says that he was attacked by Lesnar from behind last week. And that's fine. Because it means that Brock is apprehensive. Of the sexy Scotsman. Yeah, those exact words. I I thought they had dropped that nickname. <laughs> um, certainly if you're going up against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, I don't know if like labeling yourself the sexy Scotsman is going to really endear you to at least the male audience, you know, that's that's trying to that they're trying to build Drew McIntyre to, to towards um that's not going to be Tom Phillips' big WrestleMania call. The sexy Scotsman has slayed the beast. Uh, of all nicknames, why? Why, like, 
Oh, man. I just, like, even... I guess even when, like, Sean was, like, you know, when they were really pushing Sean for, to beat Brett at, like, WrestleMania 12, I think, like, the sexiness of his of his character was somewhat, like, diminished, right? Like, it's not like uh, Vince was calling, the sexy boy has achieved his boyhood dream. Um, so I don't know why for Drew McIntyre, somebody who I think for his entire run has been really just largely, like, you know, non-sexualized at all. I don't know why they, they're they picking this particular time to call attention to his sexiness. Well, the sexy Scotsman concluded his promo by saying he'll kick Brock's head off his shoulders at WrestleMania and notes that he forgot Mojo Rawley was in the corner. He totally forgot about this geek. And then Mojo leans through the ropes to hand his title to Riddick Moss and... Had they done the kiss, this would have been an exact recreation of Sheamus and Daniel Bryan because Mojo turned around and got Claymored and lost the match in seven seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was a little bit off, wasn't he? Yeah, the announcers are trying to explain that it was less than three seconds. Like, is that even logically possible in a match (laughs) that requires three to beat you? Like, I didn't even understand this. Depends who's counting, I suppose. Um, you know, but beyond like the the sexy Scotsman thing, I do think like Drew, his gimmick now is essentially that he's so confident that he's able to call the shots and he's able to just like, like he he knows he's going to be Brock Lesnar. And I think he he's trying to show that he, whatever he says, he's going to do, he will. Um, and I think that's good. But I don't know something about him here in this segment came across as almost just like a little too too much arrogance like the bullying kind of arrogance you know dismissing raleigh by saying oh i forgot you were there like i think if he he was doing this to somebody that was actually a bit more hated like a randy orton level guy it would come across well but because mojo raleigh is so low so much lower on the totem pole than drew mcintyre like mcintyre um i guess being this cocky almost to me comes across like it's bullying like being this disrespectful against somebody who didn't really do anything wrong to him to me, it made him a little bit more unlikable. Um, it's, you know, I, I see, though, the logic in what they're doing with this guy. It's like, you know, Mojo Rawley is certainly not the uh, the priority here. Everything is about getting Drew over. I think the audience did get into this, but I I, I do sense that, that same thing. Like, this was not a uh, baby face that you're backing. It's like, this is the asshole that will also put you in a locker. Drew McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if, like, you know, Mojo cut a promo on the crowd before this during commercial that we didn't see. That might make a difference. At least on TV, it was like, man, what did this guy do to you? I hope your cars are so frozen, you can't even drive home tonight. Whoa. I don't know. What what would really strike a nerve with this crowd in Utah? Um, Yeah, I don't know. Something to that effect. I hope you run out of antifreeze. Well, that was that. That was our Drew McIntyre chapter of the show. Charlie is with Buddy Murphy and AOP, and they're going to be having an elimination match tonight against Owens and the Viking Raiders. Uh, no no mention of uh, Samoa Joe in this. They didn't have any kind of update on him. Uh, so pre- assuming that he's still dealing with a, a concussion from last week. Uh, Buddy says they've already won, and their opponents are working harder but not smarter. 
And Rollins walks in, says, I've got this tonight. And he says that he's beaten Lesnar twice for the title in the past. And Drew McIntyre should start preparing for him at WrestleMania after he wins this number one contenders match later tonight. So it's Buddy AOP against Owens and the Raiders elimination match. Rollins is out with the team. And eventually they build up to this big tag with Ivar, who's like the serious version of Otis is what I've realized. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Who likes to dress up as a Viking. I mean, he does more like high flying, you know, like more, more spectacular wrestling. Yeah. Eric uh, nearly kills himself on this suicide dive where his feet caught onto the ropes and then Ivar is throwing air. He charges at the LED board and runs into it shoulder first and his shoulder had so much impact. It like blew up the LED board that went to static as a result of this and Rollins hit Eric with a stomp. So he got pinned and Ivar was taken out of the match because of his shoulder injury, leaving Owens uh, in a three-on-one situation against Buddy Murphy and AOP. So like last week, except this time it was three-on-one instead of two-on-one. And this was, you know, clearly the planned uh, destination this week. Yeah, Owen's like, he's just, he's really got to watch out for these partners of his that are just dropping. They're all unreliable. Yeah. So he ends up fighting them two-on-one or three-on-one. He hits Buddy with a DDT. There's a cannonball to Akum. And then lands a swanton, but Buddy gets his knees up, uh, does a pop-up to Buddy, and eliminates him to everyone's surprise. Then he catches Akam with a stunner, pinning him, so it's down to him and Razor, and the crowd's getting behind him. They're chanting KO when Rollins distracts him, and Razor hits two spine busters that I guess are the finish that they're giving Razor, and he pins Kevin Owens at 22 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, and then they left Owens in the ring alone as the crowd gave him this big standing ovation for his valiant effort against these three. Yeah, yeah. I guess they were – I don't know if like whenever they do, do do these standing ovations, if they're like planned like bef- way beforehand or if they just like kind of wait to see how a match might come across and then they'll just like give that space if if the match is successful. But nonetheless, I, I thought this was a very successful match that, that kind of warranted that – very successful standing ovation reaction at the end. Um, it I thought was a pretty genius move to play off of last week's unintentional handicap match by, you know, scripting a deliberate one. And I would say this week, I think it worked even better. Um, having Owens go up against the three of them. I, I think him losing at the end was the right finish, you know, to have Owens single-handedly beat all three members would have been really bad for AOP. Uh, and the goal of it all at the end was to put the heat on Rollins so that you're building up all Owens versus Rollins. And I thought they were really successful. Yeah, Owens is certainly, I think, getting um, a good run here in the in this babyface role and obviously building to something here, uh, ultimately, with, with all of these different uh, components here. And, you know, hopefully Joe is not out long so that he's involved in this as well. But uh, th- I, th- I think they're doing a, a good job with, with Owens overall. He's been very inconsistently handled for a number of years at this point, that this seems to be something sustainable because I think after the Shane McMahon program and moving him to raw, there was that thought that, you know, once again, he's going to get lost in the shuffle and it seems that he's got something concrete here with these guys. Yep. Charlie interviewed Ricochet. He has wanted to prove that he can be one of the best since he was 14. And this might sound unrealistic, 
because he isn't as big or as strong like Lashley or has a gang like Seth Rollins. I've got a slim chance, but determination can outweigh probability. And this means everything to me. So I just want to be able to compare shirts. Rise over size or determination can outweigh probability. It would have to be a really big shirt. That's a lot of that's a lot of letters to put onto a shirt, but yeah. uh, determination can outweigh probability. Um, boy, that's right up there with superstar superheroes are real. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know what? I, I, I he did he made no mention of superheroes in this promo. Um, no, they've gotten away from that. I hope thankfully. so. Like instead, I think you they were pivoting here to more realistic. Like I want to prove I'm one of the best type of thing, which is really for for the better. So I hope the superhero thing is done for now. You know, this was a lot of words Ricochet had to memorize and regurgitate back in a in a short amount of time. That'll and, be his new name. <laughs> memorize and regurgitate, yeah. Regurgitate instead of Ricochet. <laughs> it's regurgitate. <laughs> uh, and I thought he did an amicable job of, like, doing that, you know. Um, I think the tone of his voice is still a little bit dorky, and I think a promo like this still that just lacks charisma, whether or not it's because it feels like it's somebody just memorizing and rereading but i do think he's getting better ultimately i feel like within the wwe system he's going to be one of those guys who will who won't really be able to find his voice until he turns heel and you're also talking about just an obsession in this company with pointing out hey i'm small yeah he's not even I'm that small. small no one looks at that like yes okay in comparison but it's like these how much smaller this, is he these, than these Seth Rollins? Defining, eh, not that smaller. You're right. Like it's Daniel Bryan. Yeah, it's just like, and it's like it's always presented as like this this weakness that one must overcome. And it's one thing to do your your David versus Goliath story, but when that's like the like that's the feature for so many of these guys that it's just you're you're out of tune with your audience who are not thinking on that wavelength because. They see all of these guys, and size is not the inhibitor that it once was visually for all of these people. And Rollins is a perfect example of that. Even if it is, like, I don't understand emphasizing it to any benefit, you know? Like, you can build an underdog, I think, just, like, on a feud-by-feud basis if they happen to be that much smaller. But it's like, I, I, don't, I don't see the need to, like, emphasize and, and really pigeonhole somebody as the small guy. Alistair Black destroyed Eric Young in a minute 16 with the Black Mask. And then he said, he asked a question that actually I'm always thinking about. Remember when you were young and they told you that you could grow up to be anything you want. But later on, you realize it was quite the opposite. See, I never understood that because that's not real and that's not authentic. I am a firm believer that people should be whoever they choose to be because that right there drives relentless competition. As I'm trying to figure out what he's saying, he then sits down cross-legged and the lights dim like I'm at some poetry reading. Like he's got like, um, you know, like um, there's like you can clap. Remember that you snap? You know, remember you, they used to have, like, the light switches that you activate by clapping? <laughs> or he's got, like, maybe, I don't know. But he, he, so I guess he activates lights by 
sitting cross-legged. Well, he doesn't want any light to seep in because he will engulf the room with shadows from the black mass. And while you are laying there, you will realize that it was done by a person who could be whatever he wanted to be. Dude, if my life depended on it, I could not translate this for you. And I have no idea what this message was or that it was written and provided to this man to read. God bless this dude for somehow getting this into a verbal presentation form because I don't know what this was. That sort of dialogue sounds like somebody might have come up with it if they used, like, if they wrote Drugs. it. In, no, like if they wrote it in a different language and then put it into Google Translate and and then uh, just read it, read that. Like, I, I, I'm with you. Like, this is the same issue that Bray Wyatt had in that. I mean, the promos can sound really cool. The guy looks really cool. But they don't connect at all because you have no fucking clue what this guy is trying to say. People should be whoever they want to be because it drives relentless competition. What does that mean? Can we, like, go... Can we, like, try to deep dive into this? Like What, what, what is competitive and what is being yourself have anything to like what are these two things that's like he literally could have said i drink orange juice and therefore my taxes are higher like that's (laughs) it like what's two things that just don't i don't understand this at all so at the beginning he was saying what like he 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 was when he was growing up people told him what he could be or couldn't be my my guess is that this is a guy who was told you cannot do things and he has proved the critics wrong that you are you can be anyone you want to be and be successful at it that is what i'm trying to imagine that's, and this is that's what drives relentless competition now like he's trying to speak of it as this is like some sort of universal truth so like not everybody wants to like i don't know um be a pro wrestler so, like, if I wanted to be, like, a mailman growing up and somebody told me, no, you can't do that job. Nobody uses the mail anymore. Um, but then I said, people should be whoever they want to be because it drives relentless competition. How would how would that apply to me? I don't know. I, I have nothing that I am living through Alistair Black's messaging through. Um, I don't know. Are you driving it's... relentless competition by being a a wrestling journalist. You know, what's really cool when this dude boots people in the fucking face. That's really cool. I know. Yeah. No, I, I mean, even in the squash match, I thought Eric Young's like Eric Young made black look great. Um, even had a bit of blood on the mouth from like face planting that just added to the effect. His, his offense just looks so good. So clean, but like, it's these, these promos that just, I don't know who's in charge of like doing these anymore, but it's God. Like if it's Heyman, I just fuck. There's something, something's just not connecting about him. This is who Arn Anderson should have been managing, or anybody. Sure, Arn would have made this work. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I don't know where this is going with Alistair Black. It feels like he uh was the odd man out in the uh the sweepstakes, and now. Uh, I, I don't know where he's going, but anyway, this is not a great promo. They recapped Umberto's attack on Andrade, who they just said is out indefinitely. And then 
Get your cameras out. Steve Cook from the blue team on The Biggest Loser was here on Raw. Didn't even advertise it a week or two in advance. Dude, from the blue team. Steve yeah. Cook. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure um I'm sure the 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 kingdom of Saudi Arabia is putting in their re- request right now. Wow. They announced that this Friday on SmackDown, Bill Goldberg will be appearing on the show in San Jose. And that was it. That was the tease. Bill Goldberg on Friday. Um who's, I mean, is he going to face well, I mean, my guess, I don't know this, uh, this would seem to make sense that he's doing the Saudi Arabia show. Would you not assume that? Oh, yeah. But against who? Against who is, um, do you just see him doing like some quick, like the Dolph Ziggler squash that he did at SummerSlam and it's just some random heel on the show? I mean, considering that like he, he last time he was there, he, he had a match against The Undertaker. I, I feel like that would be a bit of a letdown if it was just a Goldberg appearance, you know? So, hmm. Maybe he's coming to help out his little buddy, Shorty G, with Big G. It's going to be Big and Shorty G. Whoa. Okay. And Seamus will have to find a partner. Um, oh, my God. Big G. <laughs> uh, could be Baron. Baron Corbin. Um, yeah, I guess. Like that, If that's done with Reigns, that's as good a choice as any. Yeah. Um, it, this is not a show that's loaded with heels. I mean, you've run through Ziggler. Um Rude would sound very unspectacular on paper. Um, Maybe it's Mansoor. Goldberg teaming with Mansoor or Goldberg taking on Mansoor? I think they should have Mansoor pin Goldberg. Uh, they're not going to do that. Um, yeah. Maybe it's I, Matt I, Riddle. I, I, I want to see Big and Shorty G. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we had Zelina Vega come out and brings out Angel Garza. Ways, ways, pick. Yeah, we called this one as we as we predicted here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I guess uh, it it kind of makes the title loss at Worlds collide a bit, uh, make a bit more sense. But who knows, like what was in the works at that time? Like, I'm sure maybe at that point they knew that Andrade was uh, going to be suspended. Um, they they didn't know at Worlds collide when he lost the cruiserweight title. Oh, um, they didn't. They, they didn't know, I believe, until Monday that, or at least, yeah. So oh, okay. they wouldn't they wouldn't have known Saturday for Worlds Collide. So, hmm. um, you know, maybe this was just a reaction, like they were already planning to put it on Jordan Devlin, and he could go to 205 Live and NXT UK, and this kind of just fell into their lap. I mean, it makes sense to go with this. So I'm I'm glad for Zelina Vegas' sake that she doesn't have to just sit on the sidelines for a month. That they're going to utilize her during this this time off for Andrade. I guess a bit of a bit of a I, I don't know happy accident as or to to have Carrillo freed up from NXT to be able to yeah and it. it's not like Andrade's just out of the plans they kept the title on him so obviously like he's not going to be uh, just forgotten when he comes back so uh, this could work out for everyone I really liked uh, Vegas promo coming out here she uh, said that nobody smart plays fair and vulnerability is a liability and she found. Carrillo's liability and said, when you mess with my business, you pay the price. And this isn't some hired hitman. He is a former champion in NXT, the hottest Latino prospect. So I guess there's rankings out there and he's your cousin. And Garza 
speaks in Spanish, says he's the leader of their family. And Carrillo, you answer to me and you're a disgrace. And Carrillo grabs the microphone. He responds in Spanish, gets slapped by Vega and Agarza jumps him, hits the wing clipper and goes to deliver the DDT on the exposed floor when outruns Rey Mysterio to save Carrillo yet again. And we get an impromptu match with Angel Garza and Rey Mysterio. But uh, what did you think of the introduction of Garza and the lead up to the match? I, I wasn't as big of a fan of Zelina's promo. Um, I thought it was a little too long and drawn out. Same with uh, when when he- uh, Angel Garza, uh, when it was his turn to talk. I think as a result, that's why you started to hear somewhat chants. You know, beyond the fact that I, I suppose, like, yeah, like... They weren't even speaking English, and this crowd was chanting, what? And I think that has more to do with the fact that it was just, like, a long, drawn-out explanation from Zelina to get to the point about Angel Garza being Humberto Carrillo's cousin. Um, They were kind of, like, testing the crowd's patience, and, uh, you know, for somebody that was that's relatively unknown, like Angel Garza, I suppose that, that patience isn't very long. Um, but the beatdown I thought was really good, and I think char- uh, charisma-wise, you already see it a lot from Angel Garza. Um, I even liked Carrillo here. Like, I have no idea what Carrillo said in Spanish, but his retaliation was like full of fire. Um, it was like more kind of emotion uh, that we saw like last week when he attacked um, uh, Andrade. So uh, overall, I would, I think the pairing is a big positive. Not the biggest fan of, I think, the actual debut though. So they did note in the match that uh, Angel Garza is the nephew of the late Hector Garza. And Ray uh, sets up for a 619 that gets avoided. He's then yanked to the floor. Lawler says the cousins don't always see eye to eye and brings up my cousins to honky tonk, man. Garza then missed a moonsault off the middle rope. There's a seated senton by Ray. And then Garza grabs the leg, lands a knee strike for a two count. Ray with the destroyer, and then Vega pulls Garza away from the 619. There's a somersault out of the corner to the floor, and Vega starts arguing with Ray, which allows Garza to then super kick him and hits a DDT to Ray onto the exposed floor. The DQ gets called at 13 minutes, 10 seconds, and the fans boo this as Ray is uh, taken out um, on the cement, which, I mean, given last week's angle, um, you would have to think like, Ray has to be off TV. You would think so. Yeah, they've been really protecting this this um, DDT on the concrete spot. So yeah, it wouldn't make sense for Ray to just come back. And um, I guess this was all just done to further Angel Garza versus Alberto Carrillo, which um, I suppose, like what you know, Ray being off of Saudi Arabia is interesting too. Um, did he do the last one? Oh, I'd I'd have to look it up. I feel like I feel like we. I, I think he. I think he did. I think he did uh, too. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he'll be back for Saudi Arabia. Who knows? Um, you know, like on paper, I feel like this is a match that, in another promotion, I think you would have really built to, like Angel Garza versus Rey Mysterio for the first time on WWE TV. To me, should feel like it's a bigger deal, especially if you have like your sight set on really promoting Angel Garza. But, um, you know, uh, for whatever circumstance, they, they decided to just rush it onto TV here with no real promotion. But for a real for a debut TV match, like if you're Angel Garza, you couldn't ask for a better opponent. You know, um, good match. Good match. Not that much heat given the lack of familiarity with Garza, I think. But he looked really good in ring. Very comfortable. Very charismatic on a big stage here. Uh, and it just feels like they're 
they're kind of going on they're kind of going to just carry on as usual with like Andrade essentially being recast with Angel Garza. And Ray Ray was on the last uh the Crown Jewel one. He was in Kane's uh Kane Velasquez's corner. Oh, that's right. Yes. Right. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh WWE backstage this week we'll have uh the sexy Scotsman as the featured guest. Charlotte Flair comes out and is repeatedly pointing at the WrestleMania sign to try and be obnoxious and she says she's held the Raw title many times and beaten Becky. She's also held the SmackDown title and beaten Bailey. So the crowd starts chanting Rhea and says she has love for NXT and she's held all the gold 10 times. And then Rhea Ripley's music plays and out comes Ripley and she walks into the ring, says that Charlotte has never beaten her and brings up that she has beaten Charlotte, which was the three-way match they did on SmackDown around the Survivor Series with that finish where Charlotte had Sasha in the figure eight and then Rhea came from underneath with the crucifix pinning Charlotte. It was a really creative finish. Um, mm-hmm. So does have a pinfall over Charlotte. And so hey, they, they really should have showed, showed this, I think. Maybe they'll do it next week. I suppose if you're trying to promote like um, like an impromptu encounter. Wouldn't really make sense to just air it, but yeah, for the, for for this angle, maybe on Wednesday actually they'll they'll air it. But also, yeah. um, anyway, so like now that now that um, NXT is I guess a recognized brand, they start including NXT title reigns as far uh, for like you know total title reigns. They did here, didn't they? So, um, well, because she's been five times SmackDown Women's Champion, four time Raw Women's Champion, one time Divas Champion. So if you included the NXT championship, it'd be eleven. Oh, what would that mean? They're they're not including the NXT titles in that. Well, how do they get to the number ten? Well, the Divas, Raw, and SmackDown. Okay, so that that NXT is not part of that number ten. Doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I guess it's a good question how they how they arrive at that that yeah. figure. Uh, uh. So sorry. Yep. Yeah, Charlotte just uh, – Rhea challenged her to a match at WrestleMania. Charlotte didn't give her an answer. She just walked past her, got up to the ramp, did a woo, and exited. And then later in the show, they announced that Charlotte will answer Rhea's challenge this Wednesday on NXT. And I thought this was very smart on their part to, first of all, put Rhea onto the big show in front of the most people. But the answer comes on Wednesday. And I I think that was a really smart way to set this up. Yes, it was smart. I mean, I and I think ultimately you see maybe the intent behind this program is not only to promote Rhea Ripley, but also to get Charlotte Flair onto NXT uh, as a bit of a hook for maybe casual audiences. And we'll see how successful that is. Um, I thought Rhea Ripley again came ac- came across really well. You know, unlike Angel Garza, this crowd is certainly more familiar with Rhea Ripley. They they gave her you know a pretty good reaction considering I think. Um, sporadic appearances since survivor series uh but you know anytime she comes out she just feels like she feels like a star she looks edgy she looks genuine she just looks like a cooler champion than most of your wwe main roster champions so um i think this will be a big match i think so too i think this is going to be um I, I like this direction uh i like sending people to nxt to to get the answer on this as well i guess if you're I'll reserve judgment until seeing it on Wednesday. I just hope it's done in such a way that it doesn't make 
Bianca Belair and this takeover mm-hmm. match feel like it's just lost in all of this and asking like why you just didn't wait till after the takeover match. But th- there's a way to do this on Wednesday as well. Like yep. Bianca Belair, she had that amazing rumble performance and I think can cut the promo that it's not going to be you challenging Charlotte or you facing Charlotte mania. It's going to be me and I'm going to ruin this match for you. And you can set that up on, on Wednesday as well with Bianca. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody really expects Bel Air to, to beat Ripley at all, but I think, like, just to let people know that you're at least thinking about, like, you're not you're not overlooking Bianca Bel Air as, like, a potential contender. Just, like, give me a bit of potential scenario that, that you're, the announcers can line out. Or that, you know, um, tease me a little bit. Maybe have Charlotte cut a promo on Bel Air to make me think that, oh, that might be a possible match at WrestleMania, too. Um, none of us think I, it's really going to happen, but it's just more so like, help me suspend my disbelief a little bit more. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Bobby Lashley. He's going to defeat both Rollins and Ricochet, and he gives a spoiler that he'll beat Lesnar at Super Showdown. His, uh, his spoiler percentage rate, uh, not going so well. Uh, he's going to go to WrestleMania and beat the hell out of Drew McIntyre. What what I found a, a little noticeable, uh, like notable, coming out out of this was how the announcers were putting over Lashley versus Brock Lesnar as a dream match. Uh, that you know they say Lashley has been campaigning for ever since he came back to the WWE, and I don't think that they would use that sort of language unless they had perhaps some intent to do that match down the line. So maybe a house show. That'd be disappointing. <laughs> show i just think like two years ago yeah at this point i i don't know how many people are clamoring for it i think at least this version of bobby lashley he to me would have to be significantly built up for a match of that level yeah they need to bring dan lambert back that's who they need oh yeah sure he's back doing uh he's doing mlw now yes yes that's right yeah uh you really would prefer dan lambert over lana maybe Maybe that could be Lana, too. That should be Lana's new husband. (laughs) The guy who almost bought the UFC in in 2000, Dan Lambert. Uh, And Lana has just married into a fortune. And the the two of them are just running things. The potential for, like, backstage skits with Dan Lambert and Lana could be very interesting. With Bobby Lashley caught in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Bobby brings in the American top team owner, and then Lana ends up cheating on Bobby with Lambert, and then that baby faces Bobby. This um, could be, yeah. be a long-term great angle. Asuka and Natalia. Um, Natalia was wearing an armband for uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter that they explained um, uh, with uh, her and her own father. Um mm. uh, just doing this in memory of them and each are going for submissions at the beginning, uh, which led up to Natalia yelling at Oscar, you want to shoot on me? And these two ended up having, I thought a a really strong match together Mm -hmm. and they're coming in cold program. There's, there's nothing really linking these two. You're in the third hour. And I thought they did a really good job of just building this crowd to really get into this. And it was just through, you know, just, just having a really solid match together. I agree. I mean, you know, the plenty of obstacles, I think, preventing 
we're not supposed to remember this match, basically. Like, this was just supposed to happen. It didn't really have any repercussions as far as any bigger storylines. But these two went out there, and I think they took full advantage of the space on TV and their both of their own talents to, like, have this really great hard-hitting, I would say, like, a Japanese-style of match. It was really good to see Asuka use a lot of her MMA offense. Great to see, like... Um, a, a similar style from Natalia as well, coupled with like a great deal of like added aggression. Um, it was the type of match that I thought was decent on Raw, but I think would have been very good if it was in front of like a more appreciative crowd at like a full sale. Uh, there was an Oscar lock attempt. Natalia got to the ropes. She hit, uh, came back with punches, a spinning sit out power bomb. They went through the break. There was one kick where it looked like Oscar just nailed her that they showed the replay of. Um, there's an arm bar. Natalia breaks out of that. They go to a Kimura, a guillotine by Asuka that's turned into a vertical suplex and Natalia with the big discus clothesline. She applies to sharpshooter. Asuka gets to the rope and Kyrie Sane distracts her, allowing Natalia to be uh, placed into the Asuka lock and taps out in 12 minutes with Asuka refusing to release it. And then finally does. Um, yeah, I just thought given the, um, the disadvantages they had at the start of this and where it was placed on the show and the things we just went over. Uh, I, I was really impressed with these two. I thought they did a very good job having uh, what, what could have just been a, a forgettable match. And they ended up, you know, really working to me a, a strong match together. I liked this more than the Becky Oscar match that we just saw. Um, and I thought it was far better than your typical raw women's TV matches. They did very good here. Asuka gets on the microphone and she's demanding a rematch with Becky Lynch. And Becky comes out, says that you avoided me for a year, but now you want to face me again. But she doesn't mind because she feels like she has superpowers after the Royal Rumble. So maybe that's why Ricochet has lost his uh, superhero status. Becky is the one with the superpowers. Okay. Yeah. She asks, why would I put my title on the line so close to WrestleMania? But answers her own question that beating Asuka's ass twice is why. And she agrees to the rematch. And then Kyrie Sane tries to run at Becky. Becky showed all the caution of someone that like dropped their like their phone on the floor and just casually just shoved Kyrie out with one arm. She took her with one arm, threw her out of the ring, and with her other arm just held her title in place on her shoulder. Kyrie could not have looked more of a like a minor nuisance to Becky Lynch during this this deal. Well, I mean, I I feel like that was sort of the intent. Like she uh, what is it? Um Becky didn't even drop her belt. I think the intent was to look like cuz you know when she came out with those sunglasses, She's wearing those like um uh thug life sunglasses. You know what I mean? You know do you know yes. the meme? Yeah, so I mean the idea is like she wanted to do this, I think, effortlessly to look cool. Um I don't know if it was that successful, but I feel like that might have been part of the reason. Seth Rollins is out for the main event. Uh, he cuts a long promo about wanting to beat Lesnar for the title again. Last year when he said that he got cheered. Now they crucified him, and anyway, they're really pushing the uh, the disciples and the uh, him being crucified. Uh, he's going to beat Brock again for the greater good, and it's going to be remembered a hundred years from now. Him beating Brock because he'll have saved the industry, and yeah. he will, and it won't be Drew versus Lesnar at WrestleMania. So a hundred years from now, we'll be talking about this potential match. 
I've been a fan of uh, of the faction. I've been a fan of Rollins as a heel, but I would say he's now just become a pretty stereotypical pro wrestling villain who just makes these kind of grandiose statements instead of as like, you know, I think po- the potential for this sort of character was could have been a lot more mm, believable, a lot more serious, a, bo- a lot more realistic as a cult leader. I don't find him nearly as convincing as somebody, let's say, like CM Punk or even like to to perhaps a lesser extent, Bray Wyatt. Like instead, Seth just feels like he's playing a cartoon evil villain, which is fine. It fulfills a role, but it's not it's not a, a type of character that I I feel like will be lasting or will catch that that much attention. Becky and Oscar is announced for next week's episode of Raw uh, in Ontario, California. And then it was the three-way winner taking on Brock at Super Showdown. No Lana out with Lashley. Uh, Ricochet hit a Fosbury flop onto Rollins. Murphy and AOP run down, and they start attacking Ricochet and Lashley on the floor. When Kevin Owens comes out, attacking Murphy, and then Eric returns uh, because Ivar is hurt. And they end up fighting off the AOP with chairs, taking them through the crowd. And Buddy Murphy and AOP were referred to by Tom Phillips as the Black Hand of Raw. The Black Hand of Raw, okay. Because he's got a black glove. What about his own black hand? Um, what, Was this supposed to be like a, a playoff of like the hand? From Daredevil? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, 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 was, I, I didn't know necessarily what he was trying to piece together here. All three are on the turnbuckle. It ends in this Tower of Doom, which is pretty much Ricochet delivering a superplex to Rollins and Lashley kind of just falling backward. So this took Rollins out of the match, and Ricochet just climbed to the top, hit a 630, and almost felt like kind of out of nowhere that the pin comes. And he pinned Lashley at 1326, and before the bell can even finish ringing, Lesnar has charged the ring and hits Ricochet with an F5. Crowd went nuts for this, uh, and... Lesnar just held up his title to end the show. So a surprise appearance by Brock. And we've got Brock Lesnar and Ricochet at Super Showdown. It's a match that I think most probably saw coming after, you know, seeing Ricochet eliminate or help eliminate Brock Lesnar. They didn't really make mention of that here, but I I imagine they would uh, build, you know, continue to replay that clip a lot in the weeks to come. I think it's a good, fresh match. Uh, Good enough for, sure, for Saudi Arabia, I guess, whatever. It's a it's a placeholder match for Brock before Mania, um, and I think they did their best to make Ricochet look strong without, I suppose, diminishing Rollins and Lashley. This was still a bit of a you know, ah, uh, he snuck his way in there and 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 got the victory at, at the end. And I, I I can't really say the crowd reacted that big for Ricochet's win because like I don't sense Ricochet being that hot of a, hot of a character prior to this to the point that the audience really wants to see him challenge Lesnar. But they do have time to to build him up. Hopefully, you know, with with a big push like this comes more serious wins for Ricochet. Yeah, I think they've got their work cut out for them over the next few weeks to really position Ricochet as a threat to Brock because it's kind of um, a very difficult spot that, I mean, the, the outcome is uh, pretty much, uh, you know, a certainty. So, um, but it, it could be a really fun match. Like Brock with like smaller opponents, it, it usually turns into... An entertaining match, so they've got that going for them. It, it could, but you know, Ricochet is also so so much lower on the totem pole than Brock Lesnar. It could I, be a short match. I could see this could, being like a, yeah. a two three minute squash, the way like the Kofi Kingston match. Both Kofi Kingston matches were 
Right. Remember the one in Japan? Yeah. 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 I, I don't see them going 15 to 20. Um, yeah. I would say, yeah, like it's could be like a sub 10 minute match between these two. So, I mean, it's Brock's going to be on these Saudi Arabia shows and it's just throw someone at them. It's not like they have anyone that was ready for this kind of a spot, nor would you, you nor know, they want to give it away. No, that that's it. Like so. they could have done Lashley here. I think I they, guess, they're yeah. looking to save that, you know? So anyway. Uh, what'd you think about tonight's show? I thought it was a pretty decent raw. I thought you had some good wrestling on the show, um, some movement in storylines, several surprises. I thought with the um, the the debut of Angel Garza, Rhea Ripley showing up here, and Brock at the end. Um, so I would say a, a pretty decent raw overall. All right. Well, let's head over to the feedback tonight, and everyone voted and gave Raw six point two tonight. So it seems that Raw has been running a a pretty good. Uh, run of shows of late. Uh, and again, though, like a 6.2 out of 10 isn't necessarily great. But it's a pathway. It's uh, given where, where Raw was throughout yeah. like the fall and into the like later months of last year. I mean, that this show had become just like paint drying at times. Yeah, it's it's better than it was. Yes. OK, we'll start off things with Paul from New Jersey. Cool to see Ruby Riot back. Hopefully Ruby can rescue Liv from the, the cuck angle. Drew McIntyre sounds comfortable on the mic while Ricochet shouldn't be allowed to be in the same room as one. I was wondering how they were going to use Zelina Vega with Andrade out. It must suck when somebody you are tagging with or managing tests positive. Uh, you don't know how it will affect you. That being said, I thought tonight was great. Vega bringing out Umberto's cousin who looks like an absolute star in Hector, uh, in Angel Garza. Hopefully Garza isn't doing weekend update promos in a couple of weeks. Sign of the night goes to the guy in the front row with the Mojo's only fan sign. And he gives this show a six. Okay, we go to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I love wrestling a lot sometimes. I couldn't imagine in 2008 that this skinny kid with big hair in Shikara would be challenging for the WWE title. But here we are. I expect this match to be more like a Sonata IWGP title match, but I'm excited to see what they do with Ricochet. I also like seeing Angel Garza debut. He wasn't known by much of the crowd, but with a good manager and a shit-eating grin, I think he got over as a big heel tonight. I really hope Zelina Vega brings more people in as she could be the next sensational Sherry or Sunny in the WWE. Overall, a pretty good show tonight. The big lowlight of the show was WWE bragging about making their production crew work in an extremely, in extremely dangerous conditions. 6 out of 10. McGuire writes, it seemed like a pretty good crowd tonight. It's a shame they felt compelled to drown out Zelina Vega with what chance? I'm not normally very excited to see Natalia in the ring, but she and Asuka told a good story and their styles meshed well. It was a good match. Please tell me Becky's thug life meme sunglasses are just a one-time thing. This is some cringe we do not need on a character like hers. Did you guys hear there was a snowstorm in Utah? Not sure if this was mentioned. Gives this show an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I don't know if she's selling those glasses or if she just got them and thought they were fun. She's trying to... I, I wonder if we'll see them again. Um, it's, it could have been Drew that they gave the glasses to, so... It's this, it's the whole goat thing that she's trying to, um, I don't know, get over. It uh, seems like, come WrestleMania season, like they come up with all these wacky ideas for like their pushed few, like... They're just going to come up with like more things to connect them with their fan base. And it's sometimes you get some wild stuff. Yeah. All right. We go to Gerard who says, finally, it feels like the road to WrestleMania has begun. The show was definitely one of the better Raws recently with lots of build and little silliness. 
Though it's too bad we are going to get Ricochet versus Brock at Super Showdown that many will skip because Brock usually has pretty good matches with smaller wrestlers. Any thoughts if you think Charlotte appearing on NXT can close the gap with AEW this Wednesday night? I, I think it'll be something notable. I'm not, I'm not saying it, it can mean a, a win for NXT on Wednesday night, but I think it's, um you know, we, we, we've seen the track record of when WWE talent is advertised for NXT. That usually means a, a bump, and this has something with ramifications for WrestleMania. So uh, I'll be interested to see how well this does on Wednesday. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that big of a deal um, that it would make that big of a difference for the ratings. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We got a Nick from, sorry, yours. Nick from Lansing, a surprisingly fun episode of raw for me. The lowlights were the repeated mention of how dangerous it was for everyone in attendance to be there, but there were plenty of fun matches and story continuations for me to look past. I'm not a fan of any heel, not giving us a straight answer after a particularly dastardly action, but Orton made it work like few others could tonight. Liv getting a quick win over Lana feels like the right direction to be heading, and I personally thought the Riot Squad was underrated and should have stayed together longer, so the idea of a rivalry between the two has me thrilled. Great to see Garza make his Raw debut against Rey Mysterio. As fun as the main event was, Asuka and Natalia stole the show, having what I thought comfortably would be the best TV match on Raw so far this year. Sample size, sure, but they both went out with something to prove, and Becky coming out with the I don't give a fuck shades was the perfect way to cap it off. I suspect this will be everyone's question, but with Charlotte being advertised to NXT, do you think they'll be able to claw one more ratings victory this Wednesday? Um, I, I'm I'm not predicting it's it's going to be a win, but I could see NXT certainly getting a bump from it, and it'll also be interesting where they position that on the show. Do they build up to it? Is it done? Like where where do you put that on the show? as well mm. tyler crane from salt lake city what's up john away i attended raw live tonight this is actually the first tv taping we've had here in over 12 years initially i was kind of concerned the show would get canceled due to the snow but luckily the roads were pretty clear by showtime some of my personal highlights were the opening segment with orton just nothing but loud booze for a good five minutes orton is just great as a heel i thought the six-man tag was great live owens was super over the Charlotte and Rhea segment was a great surprise. Rhea came across like a big star. Also, Becky Lynch continues to be one of the most over in this company. And the main event was also pretty good. It's nice to see Ricochet get a big win. Too bad it's just going to lead to him being decimated by Lesnar. Hopefully, our enthusiasm and energy leads to more TV tapings or maybe even pay-per-views in the future. Overall, pretty good episode of Raw. Can't wait to chat with you guys in a couple of weeks on Rewind Away. Keep up the great work. Yes, Ty- Tyler is a uh, an executive producer, so... Thank you for the live report, Tyler. Yeah, we, we look forward to doing that show. And I would say the, the Salt Lake City crowd uh, probably did themselves um, a, a, a great showing for WWE on Monday night. They seemed very happy with this crowd and uh, coming in this uh, snowstorm. And the last one was Chris Thunder from Down Under. I'll admit I'm more of a casual fan now, uh, but the possibility of Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte uh, for the WrestleMania, uh, for the championship match has me excited. However, the Liv Lana match and constant what chance at Zelina speaking English are a huge negative. Lastly, I don't need to see another Gilbert match at Saudi Mania, no matter if it's against the Fiend or the Bro. Well, yeah, I guess that will be uh, th- that will be the big hook for Friday. Solo, Wei Tang, and Goldberg on Friday night. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Once again, Wayne and I will be back Tuesday night. Rewind away, number 54, chatting the WWE's 
a uh, big trip to Australia in the summer of 2002, and we'll be reviewing the uh, the global warning event that apparently was almost a four-hour show that they edited down to two hours on the network. Yeah, I mean, I think probably done for home video release, but um, yeah, we're, we're I, I think we're going to talk about the main matches either way. So that is uh, coming up on Tuesday night. And then once again, the whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. And we'll speak with you on Tuesday night.